Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you yet another chapter of Radiance, my Fallout fan fiction. I do hope you've all been enjoying this little uh, trek through the intriguing world that is Fallout that I'm trying to create for us all to stroll together through. And uh, I do hope that you'll be joining me for future chapters. If obviously you can like, subscribe, and leave feedback, I'd be well appreciative of this. So, without further ado, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, Welcome to Radiance. Oh, and the usual disclaimers before we start. Obviously, it's fan fiction, it's Fallout, I don't own it, it's owned by Bethesda, all I own is Crazy Tail Deathclaws. And probably don't even own them. Though, who wouldn't want to, right? Okay, on with the show. Chapter 5 Little Shack on the Prairie the walk through the desert at night was both eerie but also beautiful in an odd way. With light pollution being completely absent in the vast majority, they had an utterly clear view of the brilliant night sky and trillions of stars twinkling away above them. The huge moon above them lit the desert sands in a beautiful silver, which actually made the landscape look like it belonged on the moon itself. As Seven trudged along, he felt surprisingly exposed and vulnerable. All the life he could actually remember had been spent in a little cage in the labs. So being out here in all of this felt kind of odd to him. He kept expecting to look up and see a ceiling above his head. Visa seemed to notice his discomfort as he kept falling behind before having to hurry to catch up with him. Keep up, human. You do not want to get left behind out here. It might look peaceful and silent, but there are a great many dangers out here at night. The predators come out at night in places like this, and a lost and alone human would make a perfect and easy target for them, she said huffily. Seven shot her an annoyed look. Will you please stop calling me human? I do you the honour of calling you by your name. Or would you like me to start calling you De Girl Deathclaw instead? Seven said huffily. Visa growled deeply, sounding annoyed. Don't you dare. I despise that name. Very well. My apologies, Seven. I refer to you as such from now on. I wouldn't say it's much of a name, just a number, Seven said, looking over her shoulder at him. Seven simply huffed. I know, but it's all I've got, and it's mine. I don't really have any memories of who I was before. I get brief flashes every so often, but they aren't enough to exactly be considered dreams, let alone memories. So honestly, I couldn't tell you who I was or what I was before. So yeah, it's not much, but it's mine, Seven sounded as depressed as he felt. Visa's face softened and she slowed up to let him catch up with her so she could walk alongside him. I sympathise with you for what it's worth. If I didn't have my brother, I would have gone crazy from the loneliness. As much as me and him lock horns over just about everything, he's been my rock and my strength. I cannot imagine what it feels like to have nothing and no one to call your own or to ground you. But at least you have us now and that's a start, right? She said in a surprisingly soft voice that was obviously trying to sound both sympathetic and understanding. Sam mulled it over in his head and nodded. Yeah, I suppose if anyone can understand what it's like to be treated like you're nothing better than a science experiment and an animal, it'd be you guys, he said. And Visa snarled at the animal part of the comment. But she obviously realised he wasn't actually calling her an animal, 
simply stating that she knew what it was like to be treated like one. She nodded her large, torn head. Indeed, very few people can look past our exterior and realise that we're not mindless killing machines that exist simply to murder everything we happen to stumble across. Even before the Enclave, humans never treated us well and were forever shooting at us and then wondering to themselves why we retaliate. I mean, honestly, how would they react if someone simply wandered into their home and for no other reason than they didn't like the way someone looked? Should have just up and shot one of their family? Visa snarled angrily. To more his own surprise than hers, Seven reached out and patted her large arm gently, feeling the hard scales and even harder muscle underneath. Well, hopefully we can find a place without that shit. Honestly, while the actions of some give me hope for my species, or like Wisp, for example, the vast majority of what I've seen and experienced, even from the limited view from inside my little cage, hasn't exactly endeared me to my own kind, Seven said sadly. Visa couldn't help but feel both strange and even a little sad at the strange human's words. Honestly, he was a very pleasant person to deal with from what she'd seen so far. He wasn't needlessly aggressive like the vast majority of the males of his kind seemed to be. From the limited interaction she'd had with humans, that didn't end up in shooting or clawing, it was like they had something to prove. But Seven, he was different. He was pleasant to talk to. Now that he knew she was as sentient and intelligent as he was, he didn't talk to her any differently to how he'd talked to Wisp, which she found both curious and oddly endearing. She knew that obviously he saw her exterior, and when her temper flared a little, she seemed smelt the fear pheromones, which made her both happy and sad at the same time. Happy because it meant that he respected her and her strength. He recognised her as a powerful, prying claw, who was fearsome and strong in her own right, a creature to be respected and treated properly. But also sad, because oddly enough, a part of her didn't want him to be scared of her. She didn't want him to feel obliged to interact with her because she felt she'd take his head off his shoulders if he didn't. She wanted to talk with him and be treated like she was just a normal person because it made her feel less like a monster in her eyes. These feelings were strange to say the least. She was having difficulty understanding them. But she figured if she kept interacting with a curious and softly spoken human then maybe she could go some way to understanding herself. And perhaps maybe she could help him understand himself as well. Plus he owed her a debt, and she sure as hell wasn't going to let that go. Claws never let another claw forget their debts, until they were paid in full. He owed her a freely offered service in payment of an offence against her, and she intended to collect upon it, just as she would have done with another claw. But while with them it would have been something simple, like go out and hunt for her for the day, or take her turn on sentry duty watching for invaders into their pack's territory, what kind of service could she have this odd little human perform for her? It was a bit of a mystery. As they walked side by side in silence for a few moments, Seven undid his new helmet and shook out his long white fur. She gr- he grumbled something about the inside of the helmet pulling on his fur, which he called hair, and then hung the helmet from his belt while he set about fixing it. Suddenly, Visa felt her breath catch in her chest as she looked at him. He'd raised his head up so that his face was pointed upwards so he could pull his fur back to weave it. But once he did, the moonlight hit him, and what she saw took Visa's breath away. 
most of her interactions had either been in the dark tunnel where he'd been lit by Wisp's headlamp, or in the dark basement where only her night vision framed him. But now, in the natural light of the moon, he actually seemed to sparkle. His fur was like liquid silver running down the top of his head and onto his shoulders. His eyes seemed to light up like they were made of quicksilver, and the sun-kissed skin seemed to utterly glow, looking tantalisingly soft, like he was begging her to reach up and run a claw over it to stroke it. Visa caught herself halfway to doing nearly that, and her internal voice went off like a feeding time klaxon alarm in her head. What in the name of hell was she thinking and doing? He was human. Human can't be beautiful. They were ugly little squishy things with bad tempers and big egos to go with their big guns. But even as she tried to tear her eyes away from him, something kept dragging them back. But this wasn't ugly. He hadn't tried to hurt them. He spoke with respect and reverence. He even offered service to make up for an insult, just like an honourable claw would do. Plus, to her eyes, he was nowhere near what one might call ugly. Sure, he was fragile and so incredibly frail that he needed strap plates of metal and ceramic to himself to attempt to achieve what she was naturally born with. But somehow, that simply seemed to make it even better, because under those plates there was all sorts of softness just waiting to... She mentally slapped herself and shook her head, forcing her eyes away from the pretty human to the floor before her feet. You okay, Visa? Seven asked, suddenly placing her hand on her arm. Her instinct screamed at her to wrench her arm from his gentle touch and to berate him from touching a mighty and proud female claw without permission. But instead she did not. She simply looked at the hand. I'm, uh, fine. The dust. Yes, the dust is irritating to me. It's getting under my scales, she said, quickly dodging. She hoped gracefully, but feeling a rippling heat warming her face scales. Ah, don't worry about that, dear sister. When we find a decent body of fresh water, and you take a nice bath. I'm sure if you ask him nicely, Seven will scrub your dorsal spines for you. Hell, if you ask nice enough, I'm sure you'll even clean under your tail for you. Since, you know, he has a good eye for tails and all that. I'm sure you'd be fine giving yours a nice thorough scrub, especially under it. And hell, you might not even have to ask him to call in your boon to get him to do it either. Just think of those nimble little human hands getting into the all the hard reach places and giving them a very slow and thorough clean, Ben said suddenly, popping up in a thought bubble like it was a pin. Visa snarled at her brother and kicked a rock at his head, making him duck and laugh as his small one pinged off his horns. She bloody hated it when he teased her like that. They always had the same since they were hatchlings. But this, what was worse this time was his words had bloody struck a nerve. She didn't even know existed. As the words had left his maw, images had flashed into Visa's mind and sent a shiver down her tail like a bolt of lightning, leaving tingles in its wake. Like she dipped into water that was exposed to an alive electrical main. When she glanced back at Seven, his face had gone that dark colour again. It seemed to happen when he got embarrassed. Thanks to both the moonlight and her night vision, she couldn't really see what the true colour of it was. Worse was she found herself longing to know what it really was. What in the name of hell was happening to her? Sometime later. Well, uh, that's going to be a bit of a tight fit. 
Seven said, looking at the surprisingly sturdy-looking ramshackle shack that was tucked under the old overpass from before the war. It was a wooden structure with corrugated metal bolted to it in places, tucked right up against a stone wall to keep it out of sight. Sure, it looked big enough for them to fit inside of it, but it wasn't going to be spacious or luxurious, and that was for sure. Well, it's the best we're going to get tonight, I'm afraid. We forgot about how early the sun rises in the desert, and that glow over there means we're pretty much fresh out of time and shit out of luck. So it's this place, or we're out in the open, Wisp said, pointing at it. Shouldn't we see if someone's home first? I mean, I really don't feel right just barging into someone's home and then turfing them out. That, to me, sounds something like the Enclave would do. Seven said. Wisp scratched her metal chin and then nodded. Yeah, you're right, survival or not, I'm not about to start hurting innocent people. All right, Seven, you win. Go knock on the door and see if anyone's home, she said, and his head snapped around so fast his neck popped loudly. What? Why me? He exclaimed. Uh, unless you've noticed, you're the least threatening looking one of us. Can't really imagine smiles and gift baskets if either myself or one of these two go up to the door. No matter how big the smile on our faces, which, given that I don't even have a mouth, isn't going to be that big, Wisp said, and Seven sighed and sagged. Fine, all right, he grumbled, and began wearily creeping up to the door of the shack. He listened hard, holding his breath, as he took slow, careful steps. There was no sign that anyone had been anywhere near the place in a very long time. No tracks at all, and the place was covered in a layer of dust, sort of making it impossible for someone to come and go without leaning in some kind of sign. But Seven was still careful. He gently knocked his knuckles against the wooden door and sent a shower of dust flying into the air that made him quickly cover his mouth and nose in his shirt to avoid inhaling it. There was no response from inside, so slowly Seven pushed the door open with the barrel of his now unslung laser rifle. Not exactly a friendly and warm gesture, but he'd rather have it ready and not need it than try and scramble for it when he really did. As it turned out, it was not needed as the door creaked open slowly and incredibly loudly, making him wince. He instantly saw that not even bugs had been into this place. He turned and waved his arm in the air. All clear, he yelled, and the others all came out from behind a comically small scrub bush that they'd somehow managed to hide behind, made their way over to them. First into the door was Visa, and it seemed she wanted to expect the place, probably to check it was up to royal standards or something, give it a regal snootiness at times. She was swiftly followed by her brother and Wisp before Seven took a quick look around outside. To his delight, he found what appeared to be a water pump around the right side of the building. Give it a rusty handle a crank. It didn't budge due to the layers of rust caking it. Swearing at it in frustration, Seven reached out with his mind and the invisible tentacles gripped the handle and with easily far more force than his flesh muscles could generate, cranked the handle, shattering the rust coating and sending needles of pain slithering through his brain like slivers of glass. But it was worth it. After only three cranks, water poured out of the old faucet and spilled onto the dusty ground, where it sat for for a moment before being absorbed into the porous rock, leaving a dark stain where the rust had just drunk some of it. But the major problem was... As the water passed by it, his pip-boy began to click, 
and looking down, Seven saw a small needle-marked Geiger counter jumping up and down like crazy. Granted, it wasn't a great deal, but it was enough to make him worry a bit. We're going to have to filter it if you're going to drink it. We could possibly boil some most of it out. There's actually a still here in a small add-on they built on the side of the shack. If we wash it out, there's no reason we still can't use it to, use, to clean the water up. Wisp said, suddenly appearing to his side. It won't affect us. We're pretty much immune to the effects of radiation, Ben said, appearing on his other side, before reaching out and giving the handle a crank. A sudden crash from the inside of the hut sent them all running, and instantly they found Visa standing up and dusting herself off while swearing venomously at the now very broken makeshift chair. Bloody useless human furniture. Fucking bigots not even making these blasted contraptions either big enough or strong enough for anyone other than themselves to sit upon. Not even a bloody tail slat. Expecting a proud claw to sit on the floor like an animal. She cursed and spat at the now basically firewood chair. Before he could say a word, a long claw pointed right at her brother's face. Not one word. If I hear so much as a peep about how my tail has gained a few kilos, I swear you won't have a tail to worry about how fat it is. She snarled menacingly as Ven tried to swallow his laughter, making him actually vibrate on the spot. Didn't help that while they were arguing, Seven tried to sit on the rickety-looking bed, only to have that collapse under him as well. Visa made a triumphant noise and pointed at him. Ha! See? Humans can't even make furniture that can support their own kind. It's not exactly like Seven's a lard tail, either. He's all slender and lithe. In fact, there were less of him. I'd be beginning to worry about his nourishment levels, she said triumphantly. Wisp helped him up and dusted him down. We aren't exactly well fed up there, you know. Hell, they fed me with a fucking drip. Hell, for what they gave Seven, he's in excellent shape, Wisp said huffily, which surprised him. Visa's face suddenly softened and she looked him up and down. I meant no offence. Did not mean to incur that Seven was not a fine specimen of your species. Simply meant to convey that he's hardly overweight or fat. While I do personally believe he could do with a little bit more meat upon his bones, it's hard for me to tell. I don't really know what's considered healthy for your species. To me, he has, while he has fine muscle tone, he could just do with a little bit more of it, she said apologetically, still quite huffily. There wasn't exactly much furniture in this place to begin with. Now that both the bed and one of the two chairs had bit the dust, Seven simply didn't trust the other one, or the small table. So rather than have used them, he decided to clear up some space to make it easier for the two stooping death claws to manoeuvre around without destroying everything. He stretched out his hands towards the chair, and the other towards the table, and focused some of his anger he felt at being called skinny towards them, adding a bit of the humiliation of collapsing the bed for good measure, and as the glass needles began slithering around in his brain again, both things splintered into firewood. Everyone stared in surprise before turning to look at him. You know, it just doesn't get any less disconcerting every time I see you do stuff like that, Ven said, switching his vision to the now neatly stacked pile of firewood that had floated over to the side of the metal pipe stove and stacked itself up. Well, if I'm stuck with it, I might as well use it. And besides, the more I work it, the less it will hurt. Or maybe it will more. They'll be able to ignore whether it hurts. Whichever. 
Thurman said, shrugging off the pins and needles in his head. How powerful is this ability of yours exactly? Weezer asked curiously, and Seven shrugged. Don't know, never maxed it out, he said flatly. I saw a security video of him crushing a super mutant down to the size of a basketball made of meat, Wisp said, but her voice was not joyful. Both Deathclaws looked at him in shock, and he noted a bit of disgust flickering through their bright expressive eyes. I didn't want to. They made me. Released the super mutant into a cell with me and told him that if he killed me he'd get fresh meat rations and be able to watch the sports vids. So naturally he tried his hardest to do just that. It was either him or me. They told me that if I didn't defend myself then they'd let him tear me apart and eat me alive. Given that they'd chained me to the floor so I couldn't run, what choice did I have? Seven said sadly. The disgust turned instantly into burning anger and hate. And they had the fucking gall to call us animals. Visa spat, glancing at her brother, who nodded darkly. We have never killed other than defend either ourselves or our pack, or to eat. And that last part has never been a sentient being. Those of them that have fallen to us, we left where they fell. Their bodies were never defiled. Seven snarled darkly. Seven took off his pack and unslung his weapon deciding to sit down next to the mattress and left on the floor after he destroyed the makeshift bed. Visa eyed him curiously. And you're not going to use that? she asked. And he looked at it and looked, took off his helmet. Nah, I'm fine. So since you guys were made to sleep on the floor all the time on the airship, one of you could have it. You know, have some comfort for a change. Well, what little of it there is considering the size of this thing. Seven said, and the look on Visa's face told him that he was actually incredibly taken aback by this, as was her brother. Well, well, it seems you really have stumbled across an interesting human, sir, here's the sister. I never in my life would have imagined a human passing up comfort and offering it to a claw. That's indeed a new one. I think I might have to find one of these special humans for myself. I can think of worse things than having a pretty human pet to wash my tail, or maybe other things. Think I could borrow him sometime? Then said with a playful glint in his eyes, he looked at his sister who simply growled at him. Get your own, she snapped before she suddenly re- seemed to realise what she'd said and instantly looked embarrassed as her brother shot her a toothy grin. Maybe because he was tired or maybe it was just something else but being referred to as a pet was really starting to knock Seven. I'm no one's fucking pet. I don't belong to anyone but me. Got that? He yelled, suddenly making them all jump. Before any of them could reply, Seven jumped up again, picked up a large metal bucket and headed for the door. I'm going to get some water. He snapped and slammed the door behind him in a fit of frustration. Real fucking smooth, guys. Real fucking smooth. The guy has just been through utter hell at the hands of a sadistic doctor who half-torched him, half-used him for her own fucking plaything. And God did only knows what to him, against his will. And you just have to keep needling them like that, don't you? Do his feelings mean so little to you, really? Wisp snarled at them, her mechanical voice not showing the true extent of her anger. Visa turned and glared at her brother. You get the fuck out there and apologise to him right this fucking second, or I'll drag you out by your tail and fucking make you. She snarled angrily. Ven lowered his head and nodded. 
He truly hadn't meant to hurt Seven. He just wanted to get a rise out of his sister. But what it was, he'd hurt Seven's feelings, and that in turn had angered them all. He slowly got to his feet and headed for the door. He found Seven at the pump, watching it pump water seemingly all by itself without him touching it. But Ven knew that he was using that scary ability of his. It was like he had an incredibly strong invisible set of hands at his beck and call, and who knows what he could use them for if he set his mind to it. Um, Seven, he said softly, and the surprisingly pretty human turned his snow-white furred head to glare at him out the corner of his eye. What do you want, Ven? I'm busy, he snapped angrily. Listen, I'm sorry. I never meant to insult you or belittle you. I was just trying to get a rise out of my sister, and I realised that it was at your expense. I never meant to hurt your feelings, or make you out to be less than you are. I really don't think you're a visa's pet, or anyone's for that matter. I just wanted to make my sister rise to it. I'm sorry for my insensitive words, Ven said softly. Seven turned his back to the pump. Do you know what it feels like to truly know what's been done to you? He asked softly, and Ven lifted his head curiously. The big male claw thought for a moment, and then realised, no, he did not. All the times they experimented on him, they used some sort of paralytic agent on him that left him paralysed but still fully aware. So he shook his head. No, what they did to me I was awake and aware, he said. It's fucking horrible. You play out all these scenarios in your mind, all these possibilities... But you truly don't ever really know. You suspect, but you don't truly know. Then you kind of realise it's almost a blessing in disguise. Because you remember the things that you were awake for and had no control over and it's like being tortured all over again. So you begin to wonder if it's a blessing or a fucking curse. That fucking sadist up there liked to call me a pretty pet. Told me once that once they unlocked my true potential of my abilities, she was going to make me her pet and her personal slave that I'd serve the enclave by day and her by night, and I'd be fucking grateful for it. That then I'd be truly knowing my place, and I would embrace it. I'd despise that woman with every fibre of my being for what she did to me. But in an odd kind of way, I owe her, Seven said, and Fen looked visibly confused. Owe her how? he asked. Because I get the feeling it was her that gave me this gift, or curse, or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And right now I don't care how much it hurts to use it. I'm going to keep using it. I'm going to make it stronger until I can get no more so. And even if I see her again, I'm going to show her exactly what happens when you torment your pet too much and it fucking bites you. I don't care if it kills me in the process, as long as I take every one of those sadistic cunts with me. Seven said in a voice so dark it sent a shiver down Ven's spine. He'd seen human rage and cruelty first claw, and it was fucking scary. He had to say he didn't like this side of Seven. He liked the pretty, soft-spoken, kind and easily embarrassed Seven. This Seven was scary as hell, even to him. He stepped forward and lay a large hand on Seven's shoulder, and very nearly instantly recoiled as he felt something invisible and incredibly strong grab it. Seven glanced at him. But Ven kept his nerve. I'm sorry that happened to you, Seven. Truly I am. And I sympathise. Truly I do. But please don't let hate and anger consume you. 
I've seen so many bad humans in my life and the truly horrible and awful things they've done not only to each other but to all those around them. You and Wisp are the first good ones we've ever had the chance to actually know and you're showing us that you're not all that way. I'm sorry for what I said. I had no idea what kind of nerve I'd touched there and now I do and I apologise profusely for it, Ven said softly. He slowly felt the force holding his hand slip away like a shadow into the night. Then suddenly Seven reached up and patted his hand gently with his much smaller and far, far softer one. Suddenly he realised why human touch seemed to fascinate his sister so. There was just such a sublime softness to it and a gentleness to it as well. Hard not to imagine what soft gentleness would feel like over other scales of his body. He found himself glancing down to the human's back wondering what it would be like to run his hands up his back and over his chest or down over his exposed, vulnerable belly towards his. Ven shook his head to snap himself out of that thought train. He had no fucking idea where that had even come from. Fortunately, Seven spoke at that time and his soft voice helped to chase the thought away, but he got the feeling it hadn't escaped his brain but simply scampered off to another part of it to hide waited to strike at him again when he wasn't ready for it. Thank you, Ven. That means a lot to me. And for this worth, I'm sorry too. I didn't mean to fly off the handle the way I did. It just brings back bad memories, is all. Which isn't hard, given the only real good ones I've got involve you guys. So that shows how recent they all are too, he said softly. Ven gave his shoulder a squeeze. Well, don't worry. With me and Crazy Tail... Around, I'm sure you'll make many more, he said playfully, and Seven laughed as from inside the hut they both heard Visa's muffled voice grumble, I'm not a crazy tail. As Ven left Seven to finish pumping the water into the large bucket, which he obviously intended to wash out the still with, he headed back inside, where he found his sister scowling at him, and Wisp looking brighter, though given her expressionless face, it was kind of hard to tell her mood. Thank you, Ven. It's good to see that respect doesn't go just one way, Wisp said softly. Ven nodded. He's a good guy and didn't deserve that. But my sister was right. He did deserve an apology for it. I don't want him to think his feelings mean nothing to me, or indeed to us, Ven said, catching himself and adjusting to include his sister, catching her scowl deepening mid-sentence. As he sat down on the floor, that odd little feeling decided now was a good time to creep out of the back of his mind and do with a scampering around. He found himself looking at his hand, remembering the feeling of the slender human shoulder sitting so perfectly in it, of that strong force gripping it, sending one part fear and one part thrill through him like electricity, of wondering what it would be like to lift his shirt and to expose that soft but firm masculine flesh, a pretty male, or even a female human, and an overly curious male claw. Could such a thing ever truly happen? Try as he might, he couldn't shake the thought out of his head and began to bug him. Ven had always been different in the vast majority of other claws, and not just because he was sentient and could speak human language, but because of the way he viewed others. The done thing in claw society was one male, one female, and that was it, done. But Ven had simply never seen things like that. He didn't like the fact that he should only have to look at one type of claw, Yes, he'd seen a good many beautiful and incredible female claws, both in his pack and in others, but he'd also seen just as many beautiful and powerful male claws too. 
It irked him, and no matter how hard he wished for it, another male claw would never look at him like that. No male claw would admire his powerful legs, his finely honed muscle, his hung, strong, powerful tail, or his neatly filed and groomed horns. Well, yes, a female claw would look at those things, and yes, that did make him happy. It also f left him feeling somehow incomplete, like he'd only ever experienced half of his life. But then an odd thought crept through from the shadows of his mind and sat with the other one that had stopped scampering around and was now sat there watching him as he watched it. Humans were not like that, were they? More than once, his curiosity had gotten the better of him. He crept off to look at a human settlement just to observe these vicious little predators up close. He'd seen some curious and unusual things in this time. Of course he'd seen the usual, males paired off with females, but he'd also seen females paired off with other females, and even males paired off with other males. He'd even seen both males and females, who were paired off with the opposite gender, sneaking off at night to be with one of their own gender, and it had confused him greatly. But now that he sat down and thought about it, it seemed to make sense to him. The large majority of humans were just like claws. They paired off male to female. But there were those among them that seemed to prefer their own gender. And even then, there seemed, others seemed to prefer both equally. To them, it seemed like an almost normal thing. An accepted thing. Was Seven one of those humans? He didn't seem overly frightened or even the least bit disgusted by their, experience, by their appearance. Were there humans out there that could not only look beyond their gender but their species as well? So many questions began to rattle around in his brain all at once. It felt like someone filled a glass jar with metal ball bearings in his skull and was shaking it hard. That's when an idea hit him, like a cold hard slap from nowhere. He needed proof. Hard empirical proof. If he could somehow manage to break down the barriers between Seven and his sister and somehow make them forget their inhibitions and cultural taboos and pair them off, then maybe, just maybe, he could find a human male willing to look at him the, that way too. And then finally, for the first time in his life, he'd know what it was like to feel like a whole person. But the question was a huge one. How do you get a human male to look at a female claw, and vice versa? He felt the groundwork had already been laid somewhat by their interactions. He certainly didn't seem to think his sister found pretty snow-furred human repulsive. On the contrary, she seemed to be utterly fascinated by him, and he'd seen her sneaking glances at him more than once. Plus, she seemed more than happy to interact with him. Hell, she was more inclined to interact with him than half of her own kind. So maybe the pair just needed the right kind of nudges. Plus, if he was truly honest with himself, though while, yes, he did have a selfish interest in the outcome of said experiment, it would be good to see his sister happy. It had been so long since he'd seen her smile. In fact, she'd seen so utterly happy when Seven had given her his marker as a boon for his service, it just taken him completely by surprise. If Seven could make her feel like that all the time, then maybe, just maybe, he could have the old visa back. A true win-win in his book. But the biggest question remained. How do you get a pretty snow-furred human and a super-ultra-proud strong female claw to look at one another that way? This was a question he silently vowed to himself he would find an answer to. Because right then, now, 
he was on a quest of his own. A quest to be whole. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was Chapter 5 of Radiance. I do hope you enjoyed the uh, little track there for the Fallout universe. Getting more interesting, isn't it? So we have uh, mysterious humans, sassy robots, bisexual deathclaws, human-fascinated deathclaws, and the evil enclave. Gotta wonder what's going to come next. In fact, I do hope you'll join me next time when we go into Chapter 6. As always, if you can like, subscribe, leave me feedback anywhere you can. And uh, this is Ghost Nobody saying I'll see you next time.